Well, we are in week two of our new sermon series on the book of Ephesians, Finding Our True Identity. And we're going to be reading from Ephesians chapter one together. So if you have a Bible, I'd encourage you to do that. There should be one in the pew in front of you. Or if you have um, a, a smartphone or device that you do, you can look up Ephesians chapter one as we start this morning. I recently heard about a man who was found beaten and naked and unconscious on the side of the road some Western state years ago. You can go back to the previous slide for now, please. When uh, he regained consciousness, he um, was asked by the first responders, what's your name? And he didn't know. He didn't remember his name. He didn't remember what he did for a living. He didn't remember where he'd been or what he was doing. He was just found naked and beaten on the side of the road with no identification, no idea for anyone to know who he was, and so they ran a fingerprint, and they couldn't find out who he was. They did DNA testing, and to no avail, and they even hired a private investigator to look at his background, and no one could figure out who he was, where he was from. It was like he didn't even exist. The slate of his identity had been wiped clean, and for all intents and purposes, he wasn't even there. Can you imagine if that was you, having your identity wiped away and you had no idea who you were or what you were about or what you were to be doing in life? Unbelievable. The IRS reports that every year over 1.5 million fraudulent tax returns are filed in the United States. And this is, by that they mean people assuming your identity and filing your tax return on your behalf. Um, probably doing illegally in order to get the refund, and over $5 billion a year is paid out by the IRS, your money and mine, if you're a taxpayer, to false identities. People are stealing our identities and wreaking havoc on lives. There's a character in the Bible we know as Satan, who the Bible says very specifically in 1 Peter, he goes about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour or seeking whom he may destroy. And he doesn't go and he doesn't try to murder us. He doesn't try to end our lives. He tries to damage our soul. He tries to distract us from the things that God wants to do. He tries to maneuver us away from the purposes and the plan of God. And it's all that he thinks about. It's all that he does. His one and only goal is to ruin your spiritual identity, to take away your experience with God, to take away your understanding of who God is and how much he loves you. It is the only thing that he does. And I think that that's probably one of the reasons why the Apostle Paul wrote this epistle, not only to the, to the Ephesians, as we talked about last Sunday, but to to a lot of the different churches in that area. It was a circular letter sent to many of the different churches, including the church at Ephesus. Because he knew what the devil was trying to do. He was trying to come into your life and to come into my life and get us so busy, get us so distracted, get us so discouraged, get us so down, get us so involved in something that we shouldn't be involved in that we forget who we are. We forget who we are in Christ. We forget what God has done for us. We forget when we sang that chorus together, I am a child of God, and I'm so glad we sang it over and over and over again. We need to be reminded of who we are in Jesus. And that's why Paul wrote this epistle. So that we could discover, maybe for the first time, our true identity in Christ. Maybe rediscover our true identity as children of God. Over and over again, Paul prays in his epistles that we would learn something. We would learn how much God loves us. 
We would learn about our standing before him. We would learn that he would never depart from us. We, we would learn so much about God over and over again in that book. And in Paul's writings, he wants us to rediscover or discover for the first time who we are. And we're going to ask this question every Sunday. I'm going to ask it of you. You can ask it of me. Who are you this morning? It's been really nice to have new folks here today, and I probably won't remember all of you, who your names are, what your names are. But you know what your name is. What else do you know about yourself, each one who's here today? Your background, your past, your interests, your beliefs. But beyond that, in the spiritual world, who are you? Who are you in Christ? Well, that's what we're going to be looking at together this morning. Who are we in Christ? So let's go to our scriptures this morning. We're going to as I said, be reading from Ephesians chapter 1. We're going to read the first 14 verses together, but I can pretty much promise you we're not going to make it all the way through. So this is going to be part one of maybe two or threes uh, talking about our identity in Christ. If you're um, original language knowledgeable, Greek language, you know that this, these 14 verses in the original language was one verse. Maybe one of the longest sentences ever written in the human language, and it was written by the Apostle Paul. Uh, thankfully, we have scholars and pastors and theologians who were able to kind of break this down for us so that we can process all that it says. But if I was to read this in Greek, it would be all one sentence. But we're going to do it in English. Uh, but let's take a deep breath and let's look at this passage together. Ephesians chapter 1, starting with verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to God's holy people in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus, Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. You see already? In him, in Christ, in his sight, three different times already in the first few verses. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sunset through through to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with the pleasure and his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us and the one he loves. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. With all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times reached their fulfillment to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. In him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we who are the first to put our hope in Christ might be for the praise of his glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. And even broken up into sentences, that is a mouthful of blessings. So that's where we're going to start our study of what it looks like to be image bearers of Christ, to be children of God. And we're going to look probably this morning at four um, ways that we can discover who we are in Jesus and what the Bible says about what living like that is to be. And the first thing that Paul says is that uh, to be in Christ, it means that we are faithful. We are the faithful ones. It said at the very beginning in verse 1, 
as he directed um, to who this letter was to be written, he said, to God's holy people, the faithful in Christ Jesus. The faithful in Christ Jesus. Now, when I asked you who you were this morning, did you say to yourself, I'm one of the faithful ones? Did anybody answer that way? Paul had no problem writing to a church that was just as imperfect as ours and calling them the faithful ones, calling them the chosen ones, calling them the ones who God looked down with favor upon and were giggling and were laughing about it. But Paul's serious about this. If we are in Christ, if we were following his example, then we are the faithful ones. And I think sometimes we listen to a different kind of voice in our head who seems, remember I said the devil's best work is to tear us down? His only thing he's concerned about is destroying us, and has he ever called you the faithful one? No, he's reminded you of your past, hasn't he? The devil reminds you of your sins. He reminds you of your mistakes. He reminds you of how unfaithful you may have been in your life. He doesn't say anything about the grace of God. He doesn't say anything about the forgiveness of God. He doesn't say anything about how the Bible tells us that we can be surrendered completely to him. All the devil wants us to know is that we are the unfaithful ones. And Paul starts out this letter to help the church understand who they are by reminding them that they are the ones who are called to be faithful, who are called faithful ones. He believes in them. Did you catch that? He knew they were imperfect. He spent years at this church. He knew their quirks. He knew the people who couldn't come every Sunday. He knew the people that were distracted. He knew the people that that had excuses. He knew all of that. And yet he still wrote to them and he says, "To to the holy and to the faithful in the Lord Jesus. Did he call them the perfectly performing faithful ones? Now he's smarter than that, isn't he? See, our faithfulness isn't about our perfection, is it? Our faithfulness isn't about our performance. Our faithfulness is rooted in the righteousness of Christ. And so he reminds us, and we're going to look at it over and over and over again, the faithful ones who are in Christ Jesus. As we remain in Jesus, as we focus on him and keep our eyes on him, God is the one who makes us faithful. God is the one who maintains our desire to please him and to follow him. This guy talking with a pastor one time, and he'd been struggling coming to church for a number of weeks, and he just, he just wasn't making it. And he said, Pastor, I'm hanging on by a thread. I don't feel like I'm faithful at all, but I, I just, I know the devil's trying to ruin me, and so I'm fighting so hard, and, and I'm struggling, and, and I was so close to diving back into that sin that would draw me away from, from God. And then God just said, You're mine. You belong to me. And I was reminded of the fact that God had chosen me and God had called me by name and that I belonged to him. And that my faithfulness was never rooted in my ability to perform, but in the belief I had in his blood to do for myself what I could never do for myself. So when... We go through this sermon series next Sunday morning, if you're back here with us, and I ask you who you are. What is one of the first words that you're going to say? Child of God, and then you're going to say you're one of the faithful ones. One of the faithful ones, even if you've messed up. Even if you've been distracted. 
even if you've been too busy. Just allow the Lord to remind you that it is not in your performance that you get your identity, but it is in Jesus that our ownership is found. It is in his spirit that we live our life. And so Paul just gently reminds us that as long as we are in Christ, we are his chosen faithful ones. See, that's the catch and the caveat here is that he's writing to those who are in Christ. And so believers this morning, our identity as followers of him is we are the faithful ones. We are the chosen ones. We are the ones who God has bestowed his favor upon. I wonder in that church in that day when the, when the prophet or the priest would get up and read this letter, if there was someone in that crowd who, who maybe had never been to the synagogue before, maybe never heard of God really preached or read before, and they're standing there on the sidelines saying, I know that I'm not a part of the group that he's writing to, but that sounds really nice. I want to belong. I want to be a part of his family. I want to be faithful because I know that I've struggled and tried on my own and it's never worked out. But in Christ, we are given the grace to be faithful to him. Beloved, this morning, you and I are the faithful ones. Something else that Paul talks about in this passage is, and we talked a little bit about it last Sunday, but we are in Christ's blessed people. When I asked you this Sunday, who are you? How many of you said, I am blessed? No one. No wonder Paul wrote this amazing letter. We are so aware of our faults. We are so aware of our struggles. And the devil is... Man, he, if, he doesn't even sleep 24-7. Even in your sleep, he could be subconsciously reminded of the fact that how things aren't going right in your life, the things that aren't right, the things that need to change. Maybe you feel cursed this morning. Maybe you feel like every step that you take, you go three steps backward. Maybe it feels like the harder you try, the worse things get. Maybe it feels like as much as you want to believe and have faith, things just continue to get worse. He said in verse 6 of this passage, Jesus has blessed us in the beloved. In relationship to the Father, we are blessed beyond measure. I wonder what it would do to our faith if even though we're struggling, even though it feels like life has cursed us, we remind ourselves that in Jesus we have salvation. In Jesus we have forgiveness. In Jesus we have hope and peace and joy and love and fellowship and family and fun and laughter and, and we can continue to go down the list of the gifts the blessings that God has given us. And for so much of the Christian experience, when we identify our life, it is very far from a blessing. It feels like a battle. It feels like a struggle. It feels like we're always down. It feels like we're always defeated. And Paul says at least twice in this passage, beloved, you are blessed in the heavenly realms. You are blessed in relationship to God. So next Sunday, when we ask who you are, we're going to be remind ourselves that we're children of God. We're going to remind ourselves that he calls us faithful even though we mess up, even though we don't measure up to his 
exact standards, and he calls us blessed. Do you know I long for a day in the capital C church in the United States where we have a time sharing of testimony and, and we are fighting over the microphone in a holy way, right? To get a chance to share with each other the ways that God is pouring out his blessings, the way that God is in our lives, the way that he is touching us, and does it mean that our life is going perfect? No, it doesn't. Does it mean that we don't have times of agony? No, it doesn't. Does it mean that we don't know how to pay our bills? It may. Does it mean that we don't know what tomorrow holds? Well, that's true for all of us. And Paul says to his church and to us, as believers in Christ, you are blessed with every spiritual blessing by God. How often do we claim those blessings to remind ourselves of those blessings? Do we live our lives in a way that we let others know and we remind ourselves that we are blessed beyond measure? What would that do to Vancouver, friends? Cap, the city, Vancouver. Well, even us here at Vancouver First Friends. If we lived our lives knowing that we were blessed beyond measure, even though we may be walking through the fire, even though it may feel like the water's getting up too close to our necks for comfort, we are blessed in Christ beyond measure. Remember, before I got saved, I'd didn't know what I want to do with my life, and I was getting ready to join the Army to go be a military policeman, and, and I just wasn't happy. I wasn't fulfilled. I wasn't, no, that's not a bad thing. I hope you have never taken that. Noel was in there, and that was where God led you, but I was going the wrong direction. And I was miserable. I couldn't find a purpose. I couldn't find a plan. I couldn't find happiness, and I was looking everywhere I could think of to find what I needed to only find in Christ. One day, the Lord just opened up the windows of my heart to his love and started to call out my name. And then that Sunday morning where I gave my life to him, and I finally realized where I would find happiness. I finally realized where I would find contentment. I finally realized where I would find purpose and God's plan for my life. And do you know where it was? It was in Christ. As one of his faithful, blessed children, to follow in the footsteps of Jesus, how do you wake up in the morning? Grouchy? I've had family members say, don't even talk to me in the morning. And that's so, yeah, some of you are like, yeah, that's me. I wonder what would happen if, even in our grouchiness, I kind of wake up and like, okay, where am I? What am I doing? But once we get our bearings straight, if we would say, Lord, thank you for the blessings in my life and name them. Name the blessings that you know has been provided. If you can't think of any, open up the scriptures and turn to this book or many of the books in the New Testament and you'll be reminded over and over again of salvation and grace and mercy and love and God's compassion for us and that he'll never leave us. The promises of God are in the thousands, the thousands. And every one of them will come true. And we are blessed to live in the family of God as we follow in the footsteps of Jesus. Thirdly, this morning in Christ, the passage says we are blameless. 
We are blameless. At verse 4, it says, In him before the creation of the world, we were chosen to be holy and blameless in his sight. We're not going to get into a theological discussion of Calvinism or lack thereof this morning. The fact of the matter is that before you and I were ever born, God chose you. Before you were a twinkle in your mother's eye, God had a plan for you. Before your parents or parent ever saw you on the ultrasound, some of you may have been born before ultrasound, so before you heard the heartbeat, before mom felt the kick the first time, you were chosen by God for a purpose, to, to be under the blood of Jesus, to be a disciple, to be someone who Jesus' blood would wash away your sins. He chose us to be blameless. So, pastor, you're telling me this morning that my identity is that I'm, that I'm faithful, that I'm blessed, and that I'm blameless. Who are you kidding? But it's right there. Those are God's words. I don't think any of us want to argue what God has written It's what it says about anyone who's following Jesus. This is your identity. This is the reality that he wants you to live in. And I hear Paul's passion. This is a church that he preached and ministered in for at least two years, maybe even three or four. He loved these people. He poured out his heart to them. He longed to get to know them better and to minister to them. And he wanted more than anything else in the world for them to understand how happy they could be and blessed they could be and committed and faithful and contented they could be in Jesus. Because he knew the struggle. He knew the struggle that you and I have with our time. I don't know if you're like me, but If I don't plan something, it's probably not going to happen. And I'm not the best planner sometimes. So there are times where where my time with God just doesn't happen. And God doesn't call me unfaithful. When that happens, he calls me back. Don't lose my identity. I just get distracted by other things and forget the identity that I should know and experience in my life. Paul isn't here with a hammer ready to say, hey, you forgot your devotions today, you're not a Christian anymore. Hey, you chose to make a wrong decision, so you're out of the family now. He's trying to remind us as we, long as we remain in Christ and remember his love for us that this is the way that we should live. This is the kind of understanding about ourselves that we can have as we walk with Jesus. Now, does God force any of this on us? God did not wake you up this morning and say, Son or daughter, you better believe in your mind that you're blessed or else. He didn't get you out of bed this morning and say, you know what, you're blameless and you better believe it. I guess that's the pastor's job, right? What he's trying to say is something that we've shared a lot together is Paul is painting a picture of possibilities for us. This is the of life in Christ are all these things that we're talking about. All the things that he's talking about is is the potential for you and I to have as, as members of his family to live a life like this. 
to live a life of commitment, to live a life of surrender, to live a life of believing all the things that God says about us is true. How easy it was for you to sing five or six times over, I am a child of God. I wonder for some of us if that was hard to say because we got another voice in our head telling us something else. Maybe that's how I would repeat songs in church and choruses sometimes in churches because we need to be reminded over and over and over again of who we are in Jesus. Now, it just didn't happen because you came to church this morning that all these things have happened. You could come to church every Sunday morning, come to prayer meeting on Wednesday night in small group, men's group, and youth group, these things, and you could be in church and not know or have any of this. Paul is saying, but in Christ, in a relationship with Jesus, all of these things can be the reality that you and I can know. But blameless? I can think of a couple things on my way to church this morning that I could be blamed for. Jesus says, don't let that distract you from my love. Don't let that distract you from my plans for you and keep you from knowing how much I love and adore you. Don't let that keep you from following me and pursuing me and and staying true to your faith journey. Don't let the times where you feel like you're the only one to blame keep you from following in the steps that I've laid out for you. How many of you ever made a really bad decision? Wow, we're being really Good job. Maybe we should do an altar call for the three hands that didn't go up because <laughs> you just made a really bad decision. <laughs> I don't think I need to say any more for us to understand that we know, we know how short we fall sometimes. We know how far we have to go. In order to God, we know he wants us to. In order to serve him as faithfully as we know he's calling us to serve. We know all the strides that he wants us to take in our life. And Paul doesn't say, after all of those things happen, then you're going to feel blessed. Then you're going to be called faithful. What matters is that we stay in relationship with Jesus. Amen? We keep our hearts in tune with him. And he does this work in our lives. As long as we are in him, he is in us. And he does this work as we follow him. Now, does it mean that we continue to get hung up on the same sins over and over and over again and never grow? I don't think it does. I think what Paul is trying to say is that in Christ, there's victory. In Jesus, there's power over these influences in your life or these attitudes in your life or these struggles in your heart. In Christ, there's victory. In Christ is a place where he forgives you for your past and gives you power for the present and tomorrow. And in Christ, you have a hope and a future. You're forgiven. You're blessed. You're free. You're happy in him. In Christ, we were chosen before the foundation of the world to be blameless before him. I just want to ask you this morning, if you go home tonight, maybe you go to our church function, maybe you don't, maybe you have other things you're going to do today and, and you get busy doing your thing and then you go home tonight and you have dinner 
and you sit down on the couch and turn on the TV, or maybe just get down and, and you lay down in bed, and, and maybe the Lord brings back at least the subject of our study together, of who we are in Christ, and, and that voice inside of you, ask yourself, who am I? Paul's passionate plan for you and I is for us to know for us to know in our own heart and mind that we're blessed beyond measure. That he loves us beyond anything we could ever imagine. That he has a plan for us that goes far beyond anything we could ever imagine. That in Christ, there is so much more planned for us than we can ever imagine for ourselves. And we're going to continue on throughout the next couple of weeks to just, we just started we just started the list that Paul gives of what it means to live a life in Christ. We just started to understand in our own heart, maybe maybe for the first time, what it means to live in Christ. What it means to be a follower of him. What it means to, to look at the heart of God and see how he thinks of us. See how he longs for us to know in our own heart these things. And that's probably why Paul wrote them more than anything else is that he knew God wanted us to know beyond measure that in him we can be faithful in all the ways we can never be faithful on our own. In Christ, we can be faithful before him. In Christ, we could know we are blessed beyond measure. In Christ, we could know that we have blessings beyond this world. And in Christ, we could know that we're blameless. So we only did three today. I even cut it short. Blame me for that. Maybe I'll go blameless. I don't know. My prayer for you and I is that, that, that each of us, we're all a different place in our journey. There are some of you that have been following Christ for longer than I've been alive, which is 41 years in case anyone didn't know. There's been some of you who, like me, accepted Christ in your teenage years, and it's been about teenage years of walking with Christ. There's some of you who are, who are new to the faith. What does it mean to be a Christian? How am I supposed to feel about myself? How am I supposed to think about myself? And we turn to the book of Ephesians, and Paul says, I'm so grateful for you because you're the faithful ones. I just want that to sink in this morning. You are the faithful ones. You are the ones who are blessed, and you are the ones who are called to live a life in Christ of blamelessness. Well, that's a lot to take in. Just three points today is a lot. <laughs> because we don't think that way. That's not the reality that most of us live in our Christian life. We think of all of our shortcomings and problems and sins and failures, and Paul says, this is your true identity. Confident, passionate. We know who we are in him. We're gonna invite the worship team to come up now, and they're gonna lead us in a closing song and as we sing to the Lord this morning, let's just let this scripture wash over us. We are blessed in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing because he has chosen us before we were ever made to live in him in a life of blamelessness before him. Thank you, Lord, for your love for us today.